welcome back to the Entertainment Goes Pop podcast where all things entertainment cross over with all things pop culture, including discussion on video games, sports, TV, movies, music. All of it is fair game on this podcast. This week I've got discussion on the Real World Homecoming reunion series coming to an end on Paramount Plus as it has wrapped up its six episodes. Josie and the Pussycats, 20 years old. Michael Jordan being the one to present Kobe Bryant into the Hall of Fame. And several more things including Big Brother Canada discussion. This week on the Entertainment Goes Pop podcast. does finally sound like the Friends reunion has taken place. This was something that was talked about that was going to be available for HBO Max when it launched. You know, the big news last year, early last year, 2020, was that they were going to bring all the Friends cast back together for a reunion special. But... The pandemic happened and all plans just got thrown out. Then we started hearing a little buzz a few weeks ago that this thing was going to get going again and that they were getting this thing back together, figuring out how to do it. It was going to be different from how they were originally going to do it, but they had their plans and they were going to do it. According to the official Friends Instagram account, they posted that the taping has happened. They put a little teaser with a picture up there. So it looks like the taping has happened. This was on April 11th when they posted that story. So we don't have any date for it yet. It will be on HBO Max, of course. This is not going to be a reunion in character. Don't be expecting like a Friends episode or something like that. From everything that's come out, this is going to be a deal where it's going to be like a setting to where they just sit around together and they're talking about the show, talking about the legacy, the moments, you know, things like that. It's going to be a reunion style with the cast back together talking about the show. So don't go in expecting this to be everybody in character and this is what has happened in 20 years, well almost 20 years since the show ended. You know, so don't go in there looking at it like that. This is going to be getting the cast back together and talking about the show and things like that. So we don't have a date yet on when it's going to launch, but this is very cool. This is something we can really look forward to. I'm a huge Friends fan, so I'm really pumped for this. So we'll just wait for more news to come out. There hadn't been a lot of news about it. It's kind of been kept hush-hush on uh, a lot of the details so the only thing we know april 11th the friends instagram account put up a graphic of the friends reunion and said basically hey it's happened so now we just wait for a launch date to when we can check this out because i'm pretty pumped to see all of them back together it's gonna be a lot of fun couple of basketball notes this week. It was announced earlier today that Michael Jordan is going to be the one to present Kobe Bryant into the 2020 Basketball Hall of Fame class. Very fitting person to uh, put him in. I think that's very cool to uh, have him go up there and be the one to present it. 
uh, Kobe would be beyond thrilled to have Michael be the one to present him into the Hall of Fame. That's something that would mean so much to him. You know, Michael Jordan was who he looked up to, who he just designed his game on, you know, and studied him. And, you know, you think back to, you know, back to Kobe's memorial when Michael Jordan spoke there. It was just so powerful with what all Michael had to say where he compared the relationship between him and Kobe as a big brother and little brother to where he, you know, he said, Kobe would drive me crazy like a little brother does. You know, he would, he would call me, text me all times of the night, you know, asking questions and wanting advice, you know, and said he was just your typical little brother that would drive you crazy, but you loved him, you know, and it was just, it was a really just awesome speech by Michael at that memorial to where he just really showed the relationship between the two and just how strong it was and the bond between them and how Kobe, even on the court when they were competing against each other, Kobe would ask questions and ask advice, you know, like when you get the ball down there, you know, what do you do to, to get open or what, you know, what are you doing? And Michael would share the advice, you know, and passing it on to the next generation. So yeah, when I heard this today, just, this is awesome news. It's Michael's going to do such a good job at uh, presenting him into the hall of fame. And that's just something really cool. And I've said it before, but to me, I've always felt like Kobe is the closest thing to Michael Jordan that I've seen since Michael Jordan. Because Kobe, they're very similar like personalities as far as on the court and everything with just like that instinct that they had on the floor, you know, to win. And just, again, the way that they played, they were very similar. Kobe, you know, he designed his game around studying Michael Jordan. So yeah, this is this is cool. I'm I'm really pumped to hear this. Of course, you know, this was supposed to happen last year. The pandemic pushed it back. So the 2020 class of the Basketball Hall of Fame is going to be happening on May the 15th. That will be the date for this Basketball Hall of Fame class to go in. So I'm pretty pumped about that to check that out. Something else, speaking of that, you know, the 1996 NBA draft class that Kobe Bryant was a part of, NBA TV has released a documentary called Ready or Not, the 1996 NBA Draft, and it is focusing on kind of the history of that draft class and just the strength of it, the behind the scenes and interviews and like a lot of never before told stories and footage and things like that, you know, that go back with that amazing draft class that there was in uh, 1996. And of course, you had Kobe Bryant, but it also featured Allen Iverson. You know, you had Marcus Camby, Stephon Marbury, Ray Allen, Antoine Walker. You know, there were Steve Nash. Steve Nash was in that in that class, Stoyakovich, you know, Peja, he was in that class. 
that was just a super talented class. Derek Fisher's another one. That's another one that I'm thinking of. That was just a super talented class and one of the biggest NBA draft classes of all time. You know, they originally did another documentary on the 1984 NBA uh, draft class, which is just insane too, with Michael Jordan, Akeem Olajuwon, Charles Barkley, Stockton. You know, that class, that's probably argued as the most talented uh, class ever, draft class ever, is the 1984 NBA draft. But this 1996 draft class was super talented, too. So this is going to be something something to check out. It has debuted on NBA TV. I haven't recorded. I haven't watched it yet. It's a two-parter. So, you know, go looking on NBA TV dive into the schedule, look around, try to find when it's going to air, because I think this is going to be a really cool documentary. I've seen seen a little bit, you know, I've heard some stories about it here and there, so definitely something I'm really looking forward to there. This week marked 20 years since the release of the movie Josie and the Pussycats. This is, of course, the movie that starred Rachel Lee Cook, Rosario Dawson and Tara Reid. The movie was released on April 11th, 2001. I actually saw this movie in the theaters. I was super pumped to see it. Uh, I was a big Rachel Lee Cook fan at the time. I think I'd probably seen every single one of her movies at that point. You know, anytime one of her movies would come out on DVD or whatever, I'd watch it or theaters or whatever. And this was a movie that I was very interested to see. Of course, they had been doing you know, the the media tour, they did the TRL stuff and all that. And it was just a movie that I really, really loved. I really enjoyed it. It had a great soundtrack. Uh, The soundtrack was actually probably better received than the movie. The movie had its critics. There were people that just were not crazy about the movie. A lot of the, like, the top movie critics were pretty hard on it. It struggled at the box office a bit. The soundtrack was something that did very well. Even though it kind of struggled at the box office, the soundtrack was went gold. It went gold with, uh, with how popular it was. It was certified gold. Of course, the soundtrack had Babyface as an executive producer. Kay Hanley of Letters to Cleo was actually the singing voice for Josie on that album. And just an awesome, awesome album. Three Small Words. Love that song. That's my favorite song on the album. I love the movie. It's, uh, I just, I don't know. It's one thing that was very interesting to hear, like, in, of course, they've done a lot of reunion stuff this week. I've seen a couple videos of the main trio, you know, Rachel, Tara, and Rosario. I've seen the trio of them. Uh, doing several videos. There's one that's about 15 minutes or so long. No, it wasn't. I'm, I'm not. It wasn't that long. It was about eight minutes. My brain's not working. It felt longer because it, they got a lot of discussion in there. It really did feel longer than what it was. I think that's why it threw me off. But it was just such a good discussion and just how close they really were. And you know, they talked about. You know, there's been articles. There's been several articles that I've read about the reunion and looking back on it, and they discussed, you know, that 
just kind of the criticism at the movie of the movie at the time that you know there just were some that just weren't fans of it. But what's interesting now is that this movie has really built a cult following in recent years to where it's really built quite a fandom of people that really love this movie. And it was just, it was a movie that I always really loved. I just thought it was a fun story, you know, to where, and it it really matched with the time because of course the, like the story of the movie is basically like, you know, to where basically like hypnotic, uh, words and things are getting into the music you know to where it's like they'll put in there like you want to buy pepsi you want to buy this product you want to go eat at such and such this group is the greatest group ever you know and it's like that stuff is going on in the music and it's hidden in there and it's getting in people's heads to where it's like training them so when one group figures it out and they figure out what's going on they get taken out and then it's they bring in Josie and the Pussycats to be like the replacement band and then they want to make them stars to where they can keep this going but i thought it was <clears throat> i thought it was fitting for the time because in that TRL era that was such like the fandom of anything in that era especially in music was just off the charts to where Fans had who they liked, you know, it was like, we like NSYNC, we like Backstreet Boys, we like Britney Spears, we like Christina Aguilera, we like Blink-182, we like Kid Rock, we like, you know, it's like every, every group had their fan base and they were passionate and they would fight hard, whether it was voting, supporting, showing up. You know, to, or like, and kind of with what is going on in this movie, like you see, you know, of course they've got, you know, the hidden message and everything, but it's like you've got just like their fan base is going hard at anything, you know, that supports them. And that's, that's kind of the way, you know, with just the fandom at the time, it really plays off that TRL fandom at the time because. You know, if one of your favorites got involved with, like, this sponsor or that sponsor, you jumped all behind it, you know, because you wanted to support them. And I just thought at the time it really, like, kind of supported kind of just how passionate, like, fans were at that time, you know, with uh, how they felt about their favorites. And I think... It was like it was really a perfect thing for it to fit into with that TRL era because it was just a crazy time. And of course, I was involved with it too. I love TRL and was a fan of many of those, many of those uh, performers at that time, and passionate about them, you know. But I just I really enjoyed this movie. It was just a lot of fun. It was just a fun story. I thought the cast was really good. Of course, the music again. That was really strong. One thing that, if this is something you're interested in, Mondo, back in 2017, they actually re-released the soundtrack on vinyl. So if you're a vinyl fan, which I know a lot of people are, they like collecting vinyl, they love listening to vinyl, 
it's still available. Look up Mondo online and type in, you know, Josie and the Pussycats soundtrack. And they still have the vinyl available. And they've actually got some shirts up there, too, if you want to check that out. So, yeah, it's it's really crazy to think this movie is 20 years old. You know, it's uh, it's still a movie that I really enjoy watching. And, of course, I've got it on DVD from what I can tell, it has never been released on Blu-ray, which is kind of crazy. It seems like maybe maybe they should have done something for the 20-year anniversary. I just wish they would have uh, done something with that, because there is quite a fan base with this with this movie. So it's been a fun week seeing them reunited back together and talking about that movie and just how much they enjoyed it. They really bonded making that movie. Uh, Rachel Lee Cook talks about how uh, Rosario and Tara Reid just really showed up at a time in her life to where she really, she was, she talked about, I think it was the E.T. interview, uh, she talked like she was just dealing with a lot of loneliness at the time and that Rosario and Tara just really showed up at a time where she really needed them. She needed those friends in her life that she made and got close with the making of this movie and just what that meant to her at the time and that they've still stayed friends all these years later. So, yeah, just it's crazy to think this movie is 20 years old. It does not feel that long ago since I was sitting in the theater watching and loving and enjoying this movie and I believe if I'm not mistaken I think I picked up the soundtrack at the store that day I think right after the movie I believe I bought the soundtrack at a Walmart or something I think if I remember right so yeah April 11th 2001 and 20 years later Josie and the Pussycats 20 years old insane the real world homecoming series has wrapped up that was airing on paramount plus this is of course the reunion of the original cast of mtv's real world new york from 1992 they reunited for a week and lived in the exact same loft that they lived in there in new york city in 1992 Uh, If you want details on the premiere episode, go back a few episodes of this podcast. I covered it really in depth. I'm just going to kind of talk a little bit, just kind of the overall series here as far as the rest of the episodes. Just a really fun watch, especially if you grew up watching this cast. And this group, I've talked about it before, but these were the pioneers of reality TV before it was reality TV, before it was even, what even is this? You know, they were basically told, we're shooting a documentary on a bunch of people living together. And, you know, they're all different kinds of life from all different areas of the country, brought them all in, and then they just record it and see what happens, see how their interactions go. And it started a phenomenon. And... The real world became a phenomenon. Reality TV became a phenomenon. And if with all of that you see in reality TV now, you can point it back to that cast of the real world. 
they were the ones that started it. And they, what's so funny is like they talk about it so many times during this series, including even in the last episode, they get a surprise visit from the producers of The Real World and bring them in there. And they just all talk about the series overall and how it was received. And, you know, they all talked about how they had no idea really what this was going to be. This was... You know, just like what the credits said, it was a social experiment to see what happens when you put seven people in an apartment together from all different from all different stages of life, you know, and how they interact with one another. And it was amazing. And they talked about how, you know, they went to the VMAs that year, Video Music Awards, and they were just like people were going crazy seeing them just cheering because they had become such big stars and they so they go from you know just being just Julie from Alabama or Heather from New York you know or just wherever they came from in the country and then they go on this they have their lives recorded for a few months and they're superstars everywhere they go People know who they are. They're now household names. And it's it's just amazing, like, the strength of that show. It was a very fun watch. I mean, there was a lot of, like... There were intense moments, too, and a lot of, like, unresolved issues from 1992 that just never got healed. And you see a lot of that in this series, like the stuff with Becky and Kevin, to where during the during the show, you know, you'll get like they'd get an incoming message up on the TV screen and sometimes they'd roll old footage or they'd bring up a topic of something to discuss or whatever. And they showed the video of the back and forth that Kevin and Becky had back in 1992 and it basically turned into the same exact thing in argument in 20 I'm gonna say 2020 even though this aired in 2021 they recorded this in 2020 but the same conversation and argument that they were having in 1992 was happening in 2020 and that was incredible you know, it just goes to show that the same issues that were around in 1992 are still around in 2020. And, you know, Becky ends up leaving. You know, she ends up leaving the apartment, leaving the loft. And just, she's like, all right, that's it. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. And and you could just see just so many things with this cast that, things that just did not heal, that there were still such open wounds, you know, 20, 28 years later, 20, 29 years later, 29 years later. And then you set that situation in the summer of 2020 with everything that was going on. And it just, it's a very powerful discussion that is had, you know, in that loft, you know, with the cast and, it's it's a lot of powerful TV to watch. And one bummer, too, with, well, with the series, it was such a bummer, is that Eric tested COVID positive. He never got to be a part of it. He did, but he didn't. 
they would always bring him in. He was in a hotel from, uh, you know, down the street there in New York City. They had him uh, isolated in a hotel, and he would pop up on the screen where he could interact and talk with them. And just every so often, they have a scheduled time when he'd pop up. And every day, they'd test him. You know, and I just, I kept thinking by the end, he's going he's gonna to make an appearance. He's finally going to test negative, and he's finally going to be able to be in here. And he never did. And it was, it was just such a sad thing that he... Even though they were all together, I wanted him in that loft with the rest of them so badly. And one thing that they did do that was really cool is they knew the hotel that he was at. So occasionally they'd walk down the street and then they'd get, get him on the phone or whatever and say, Hey, come out to come outside, you know, where he had like a, he had a, whatever you call it, up there. <laughs> it's like my brain's blank, where he could walk out the door and he could see them up there. And uh, so he could hang out upstairs up there and talk to them and they could see each other. And it was just good for all of them to be able to lay eyes on each other, like besides through screens. And that was a really cool thing. But I was just so disappointed. I was really hoping that he was going to test negative. Even on the last day, I just, I really felt like the last day he's going to pop in here. And they even kind of teased it a little bit in the last episode to uh, where Eric was on the TV and the doorbell rings and they're like, who in the world's that? And they're like, Eric, if that's you. <laughs> and they kind of teased it a little that it might be Eric. And of course it was the producers where they came in there and talked. But um, yeah, but it was just... A very cool thing to see them reunite and, you know, you hear the struggles that they went through before the real world, during the real world, after the real world, you know, and like they have the moment with Norm to where, you know, he's just talking about like his struggles in the last year and they all just pull together, and one of the most awesome things, the line, I can't remember if it was Julie, or if it was Heather, or who it was that said it, but they were like, no, we're not going to let Norm fall. Maybe it was Kevin, it might have been Kevin that said it, I don't remember which it was, but they were like, no, we're not going to let Norm fall. Like, we're, we're all going to get together, and we're going to hold him up, and we're going to get things back on track for him, and that was just a really cool, cool thing. So, yeah, I mean, it was just a really fun watch. Um, I mean, it's such a bummer that you see the open wounds that they still have, you know, that they're still trying to work through. And, you know, and Kevin and Becky couldn't couldn't work it through. You know, it's even after she left, you know, Julie kind of was almost peacemaker between them. She was the only one that Becky would return text or phone calls to and she kind of got it connected to where it's like okay get you know she's she's agreed to discuss it you know or whatever and her and Kevin connected again and it just ended badly again you know so it's just it's crazy that the same discussions from 1992 were still happening in 2020 and are still happening in 2021. But it's it's just a very powerful discussion of just everything in life, you know, that 
this cast has been through now and then. And it's it's such a good watch because it was always that was something that was so powerful about the original show in 1992 was, you know, these hard discussions that were going on. And 2020, when this was recorded, still the same hard discussions. But it's just it's a very cool watch. If you're a fan of the original show, check it out. You're going to love it. You're going to love seeing everybody back together just very well produced with how they how they blend in the footage of the original show and blend it in with like you know when they're in the same locations and things like that they'll blend it in and split screen it and that's very cool and they just do a lot of cool stuff like that there's a lot of never before seen footage that they that they air which was pretty incredible like they show footage of them watching the Rodney King, uh, all that you know when all that story and that news broke loose. That never aired on the original show. They never aired that, and they have footage of them watching the Rodney King thing go down, and it's it's powerful to watch them watch it in real time as it was happening in 1992. So. There's just so much good stuff on this reunion series. And like I said, if you if you enjoyed and just loved the series as much as I did back in the day and you know just that group, you know, I remember how sad I was when it ended. And this time when you're watching them all leave again, it's like, man, I'm watching them leave one more time, you know. So I really do hope, you know, they talked about it several times. I really do hope that they can find ways to get together more. You know, I, of course, some of it just probably isn't going to happen because it just uh, looks like Becky just will not be interested from here on out, you know, especially after what happened on this uh, reunion reunion series here but then hopefully next time please get eric (laughs) poor eric i felt so bad for him with the it 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 was hard on him you know uh being stuck there in that hotel and watching them on the screens and like the one episode the last episode when the producers came in uh it was just eating him up cuz he wanted to hug them so bad you know and it's he's like all i could do is hug you through the tv you know and so yeah i mean that show had such a face on what reality tv was going to be i clearly remember me and my friends in summer of 92 sitting around watching that show we were all piled in my room and we were watching the real world like that was we had never watched it before we were i don't think i hadn't seen it until that night and some of my friends that were in there with me had had seen i think maybe i'd seen clip i had seen clips of it i hadn't really watched it watched it and we were all like oh have you seen the show the real world and all of us were like yeah we, we've watched some of it and we just, I think we watched probably three or four episodes that night where they ran several in a row and we were glued and I watched it the rest of the way and I watched it for many, 
years going forward. And it opened so many doors for like reality TV and just, just culture and just life in general, you know, whether it's Kevin, Norm, Julie, Becky, Eric, Heather, Andre, you know, it's like all of them had such a big part of this show. And it was just very cool to see all of them back. I just really, really enjoyed it. So let's get to the week that was Big Brother Canada. I'm not going to go over real long on this. Is It's pretty straightforward on the week as it was. Um, so we had Jedson winning HOH last week. So that means the trio, the triangle, still in power. So during the HOH competition, this was one of those competitions to where you're also trying to win, but you can also sabotage another player if you want to. Tara was the target of that, of those attacks, and she was quite annoyed with it, obviously, and very vocal, and she was just calling out everybody, you know, where it's just like, all right, well, you better watch them because they're going to win this game, and blah, blah, blah. And she ends up getting in an argument with Kiefer, who's actually her ally, and Kiefer's actually the host of the competition. And Kiefer, that's what's so funny, is Kiefer's arguing back at Tara. It's like, he's the host, and, you know, and this is, you know, somebody that he is in alliance with, with Tina and Tara, and they're having words here, and it was just very bizarre. So, Jetson wins HOH. Um, Tara, Tara knows she's in trouble. Tina knows she's in trouble. Kiefer thinks he's rock solid. You know, he has he's in the alliance with them, with the, the Sunsetters Alliance, and he thinks he's good. And one thing Tara does, she goes and talks to Beth, kind of trying to get in her head about her position in the game with the boys. And because that's something that constantly is kind of eating at Beth to where, you know, she keeps kind of doing game moves for the boys, for Ty and Jed. She's doing these game moves for them. She, a lot of times, is not doing what's best for her game. The things that she goes along with is good for them, not good for her. And that's something she's been very vocal about. And some of these house guests are using that as a way to kind of get in her head a little bit, to kind of try to get some help, you know, when they see themselves kind of in trouble in this game. So up on the block goes Tina and Tara. TNT, they go up on a block, nominated for eviction. Not a surprise. We knew this was going to happen. But now here is where things get very interesting. They start discussing backdooring Kiefer backdooring their ally, which was a pretty amazing move. So Tara wins veto, pulls herself off the block. So Kiefer thinks that the backdoor plan is Brayden. They think Brayden is going to be the backdoor plan. And he's just like, we're, you know, we're the greatest alliance in Big Brother history and all this. So at one point, 
Jed pitches Kiefer to Beth saying, what if we put Kiefer up? And Beth's like, oh my goodness, are you serious? And says, you know, Kiefer is, he's the biggest target. He's got the biggest resume. And here's one thing that Kiefer does a lot. He goes around bragging about how many wins he's got, how many competition wins, how he's such a great Big Brother player. That's not something you want to do in a Big Brother house. You don't want to put spotlights on yourself. And at one point, Tina tells him that, where they're discussing, you know, who do you think is going to be the replacement nominee? And Kiefer's like, well, I think it's going to be Braden. And Tina kind of alludes to, what if it could be you? And she basically tells Kiefer, hey, you need to really lay low on your bragging, on yourself about your competition wins. She's just like, just trust me. It's putting a spotlight on you. You really need to downplay that and chill out on that stuff because it's it's making you look like a bigger target. So that ends up kind of opening up what ends up happening here. Because Kiefer tells Tina, he says, oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm not worried about this. And Tina's like, well, don't say I didn't warn you. So, you know, with that conversation, we have Jed... Uh, pitching Kiefer to Ty. And, you know, Ty's like, oh, that's actually a really good idea. Maybe we should do that. So that ends up what ends up happening. They pull Kiefer in and they're like, hey. And Kiefer figures it out immediately. He's like, oh. They're like, hey, we're going to put you up because we can't beat you in the end. So... If you get to the end, you're going to win this game. Everybody likes you. You've played a great game. You've won all these competitions. We feel like we can't beat you at the end, so we've got to take you out when we can take you out. And, of course, Kiefer's just devastated and and just tears. And, you know, Kiefer leaves the room. And he's like, oh, and he's just head down, you know, when he realizes what's happened in the trios in the HOH room, and they're they're in tears too that they're gonna do this to Kiefer, who they really like. And you know, Kiefer goes to the other room, and Tina sees it immediately. She's just like, "I knew that was gonna happen. I was I was afraid that's what was gonna happen." And she come over and hugs Kiefer, and Tara does the same. So we have just this teary veto ceremony where Tara takes herself. Off the block, Kiefer goes up on the block against Tina, and Kiefer's going home. They've they've turned, he's going home. Doesn't end up happening. Because again, what what did I talk about last week? They cannot make a decision. This trio is so bad at making decisions in this game. They flip-flop so much from conversation to conversation they can flip-flop on what they want to do in the game they can have a clear idea on what they want to do somebody comes in talks makes points and they're like that's actually a really good idea maybe we need to rethink this okay well we're gonna let's do this instead and then the next person comes in ah it's really good points too okay maybe we need to let's go back to the original plan so 
they end up, so Ty and Jed, they want to keep Kiefer because they've got a good relationship with Kiefer. Beth, on the other hand, again, this is not the best for her game. She doesn't really have that bond with Kiefer that the boys do. So Ty and Jed decide, we're, we think we're going to keep Kiefer. And they actually go and tell Kiefer, yeah, we're going to keep you. And Kiefer's like, oh my goodness, this is awesome. This is amazing. I'm the best big brother player ever. I pulled myself off the, off the target list, you know, and all these things. And so Jed goes back to Beth and tells her, hey, we, we told uh, Kiefer we're going to keep him. And Beth is like, you did what? Like, that's, that's not cool. Like, it's one thing if you're going to tell him to keep him, but you two just went and told him you're going to keep him. I didn't get to be a part of that. Like, I have no... That just made me look bad to where you guys have the leverage of, hey, we just did this. I didn't have a part of that. So him coming off the block and being saved had nothing to do with me, basically. And Jed's like, well, you're part of this group. She's like, yeah, but I wasn't in the conversation. And it ends up in a big kind of semi-blow-up. I'd say pretty big blow-up between the between the trio. But it ends up, Kiefer ends up staying, you know. Kiefer ends up being the one to stay, and Tina is voted out on a three-to-one vote. With the votes being for Tina to be evicted was Braden, Ty, and Beth. And the only vote to evict Kiefer was, of course, Tara, which is Tina's Tina's uh, number one there, TNT. So that's a big thing. I'm going to... Well, for one, here's something I want to discuss right here. That's a really bad move. It's like... And I don't know how this works out for them, but you don't turn on your alliance. If you're going to take a shot at somebody in your alliance and knock them out and put them all the way to where it's just like, yeah, you're done, you're going home. And then you're like, oh, hey, just kidding, we're going to actually keep you now. We've changed our mind, we're going to keep you. Because... How would you feel if you've got an alliance in the house and somebody that you thought you were close to, they turn on you, they are sending you out, and then they're like, oh, we changed our mind, we're going to keep you. We actually really love you, you're, you're with us, you're loyal to us, we're going to keep you. Would you have much trust in, uh, in that alliance going forward? So that's my thing. It's like if, you're, if you decide you're going to take that shot You've got to take that shot. You can't, you can't take the shot and then walk it back. This is the same thing they were trying to do with Victoria last week. They were trying to do the same thing with her to where they fired the shot and blindsided Victoria and put her on the block. And then they, they like did their wishy-washy where they flipped back and forth on whether they were going to keep her. And it's like, if you, if you keep Victoria, Victoria's always going to have that in her head of, hey, they turned on me and they blindsided me. Will they do it again? They probably will do it again to me. Kiefer's going to have the same thought. It's like, yeah, that's his, that's his group. That's his, that's his alliance. Of course, he's been 
you know, over with TNT as well. He's been over there aligned with them. But Kiefer's always got to have that in his head of, hey, they may take a shot at me again because they already did. They were already had me out of the house and had this whole plan cooked up. So, man, this trio, it's like they are sloppy. They are so sloppy with their moves. It's like they can't commit. You know, this is a... Uh, this is something that's going to be interesting to follow on how Kiefer plays going forward. So we get to the HOH competition tonight. The thing that we needed to have happen tonight for an entertaining week is we had to have somebody outside of that group of four win that HOH competition. And I say outside of that group of four because I don't know where Braden has been really attached to the trio to where the trio is really getting tired of him. And so I feel like Braden probably would have, you know, done whatever, you know, the trio would have wanted. So we really needed Tara to win this HOH for good TV this week because in Big Brother you need the power flipping for it to be good if you never want to have a steamroll a steamroll is never fun to watch so we're watching this tonight we're like we have to have a Terra win here Terra pulls out the win but we get the announcement of the twist coming next week Arissa announces that it is going to be a fake double eviction so that means one house guest is going to be evicted, then another house guest is going to be evicted as part of a double eviction, but it's not actually going to be a double eviction. The two that are evicted are going to compete against each other with one of them coming back in the house. So, of course, everybody in the Big Brother community just loses their mind because this could very well end up being Tara makes her play here, takes out one of the trio, evicts them, and the double, one of the other side wins. Well, I'm and even Braden too. Probably what will happen, unless something crazy happens this week, is that one of the other group left is going to take the shot at Tara and take her out. So... Tara is going to be out there competing against whoever she takes out this week to try to get back in the house. So Tara may make this big move and eliminate part of the trio and kind of break that up. And then she's right out of the house anyway. And then the trio is back in the house completely, you know, back to normal and okay, which is really the scenario for us as fans of this being interesting, we don't want to see that. Like we, we need the trio broke up. You know, we just, we don't want to steamroll. So that is frustrating because it seemed like everybody went from really high to like, yes, Tara won. This is going to be fun. We're going to see some, see something happen here. The trio's losing power. One of them's going to go home. And then it's like, oh, but now they may just come right back in the house and they're, fully at power again. So, I don't know. This is going to be something to keep an eye on. This fake double eviction may have happened at a really bad time here. So, 
it's going to be interesting to see how the trio handles this this week, how the whole thing with Kiefer plays out. Because again, they're sloppy. They're very sloppy. They've got to commit. You know, when they've got a plan in place, they've got to commit to it because they talk each other out of everything. And yeah, so I don't know. We'll see how this all plays out, but we've got the fake double eviction next week. So we'll see how that all works out. That is it for this week's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. God bless. Have a great week.